and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on February the 2nd and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the editor for this week and the team comprises John Plush as our recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Jane Fairs, Hello. And Jim Norris. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, But if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week, as we always do, with the telephone numbers, which Jane will run through for you. Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not man daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS, direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, 0300 123 3211, between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800. Five 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 one one one, Worcester Hub, O one nine o five, seven six five seven six five, Worcestershire County Council here to help, O one nine o five seven six eight o five three option three, Community Risk Team Fire Safety, O eight hundred, O three two. 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D. Jones 01684 891 297 or 07920 www.senseadventures or one word dot co dot uk Samaritans one one six one two three Worcester Live O one nine oh five six one one four two seven Malvern Theatres O one six eight four eight nine two two seven seven Worcester Wheels for Transport O one nine oh five four five O six five four eight thirty AM until four thirty PM 
Link Nurseries at Poic have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. Telephone 01905 831 881 for more information. Thank you, Jane. Um, and I've realised that the top of that piece of paper has been chopped off. Jane began with Wilds Lane. That should, of course, be Colin Chance House. That's here, Talking Newspapers. But I think you're all fairly familiar with the number 01905 767 766. Moving on to what's on. So I'm going to start at the Swan Theatre on Sunday the 5th of February. The Opera Boys are back with their sellout show, A Night at the Musicals. So whether you're a fan of modern-day smash hits like Mamma Mia or you prefer the classics, Gershwin, Rodgers and Hammerstein, this show has something for everyone and is perfect for musical theatre lovers both young and old. It's a 7.30pm start, tickets cost £22 or £23 and for more info contact The Swan on 01905 611 427. On Saturday the 11th of February, the National Trust are putting on a Living History in Worcester event at Greyfriars and other city centre sites, including the Guildhall, Commandery, Tudor House and Cathedral. You can meet reenactors as they roam around the house and learn more about different periods of history. It's free entry to the garden and cafe with half-price entry to the house. For National Trust members, it's free. Something a bit different for Valentine's evening at Huntington Hall on the 14th. They've got a night of comedy lined up with the likes of Steve Royal, Jack Gledo, Peter Brush and Mark Cram, billed to entertain you. It starts at 7.30pm and tickets are £16. For more information, telephone number 01905 611 427. Finally, over in Malvern, from Tuesday the 14th to Saturday the 18th of February, the Festival Theatre is staging an adaptation of Jules Verne's novel Around the World in 80 Days. Described as best family theatre captivating young and old, the show has a variety of ticket prices and times for the week, but on Tuesday the 14th, all tickets will cost just £14.56p. There are matinee performances on Wednesdays and Saturdays and for further information, contact the box office on 01684 892 277. Well, I'm sure there's lots more going on, but that'll do for the moment. And we'll now move into the headline stories. Jane's going to read through all the headlines and then start with the first story from last Friday. And the headline for Friday, January the 27th. Arrested for attempted murder... Man found seriously injured may have been hit by a car. Saturday, January the 28th. Highway to danger. Lives being put at risk as workers suffer abuse and cars driven at them. Monday, January the 30th. Record staff loss for NHS. Trust sees departures soaring to new high. Tuesday, January the 31st. Walkout Wednesday. Anxious wait for parents as teachers prepare to join day of strikes. Wednesday, February the, tw- February the 1st. School system is broken. Children forced to steal food and are without winter coats, says City Head. Thursday, February the 2nd. Warriors deal is done. Administrators complete sale of rugby club to consortium. 
And the first headline is Arrested for Attempted Murder. On uh, This is the headline for Friday, January the 27th. A 31-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder after a man was found in the street with potentially life-changing injuries. West Mercia police rushed to the Westlands estate in Droitwich after reports a man had been seriously injured on Tuesday and several roads had to be closed. The ambulance service said the alleged victim may have been hit by a car in a suspected crash. The incident happened at the junction of Drover's Way and Westwood Road. A spokesman for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said they were called to a road traffic collision involving a car and a pedestrian at 8.59pm on Tuesday. One ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. Upon arrival, we found a man who was the pedestrian with serious injuries. He received treatment at the scene before being conveyed to hospital for further assessment, a spokesperson confirmed. D.I. Chris Percival of Worcester Reactive CID said the community at Droitwich will be aware that at 8.30pm on Tuesday, January the 24th, a number of streets were shut by police in the area of Westons in Droitwich, and this was because a local adult male was found with serious injuries in the street. A male from Surrey has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder. He is currently being held at Worcester Police Station for interviewing purposes. The suspect and the victim are known to each other. There is no wider risk to the community. It is understood the man suffers serious leg injuries, which could be potentially life-changing. Roads were closed while the forensic teams conducted an investigation. Those with information about the incident can call Westminster Police on 101, quoting incident reference 593I, that's a small i, 24012023. Information can also be passed anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Workers' lives at risk. Lives have been put at risk after it was revealed that highway workers and subcontractors receive verbal and physical abuse while working on Worcestershire roads. Scared workers have had cars driven into them, objects thrown at them, physical violence and swearing and shouting as they go about their jobs on Worcestershire's roads. It has forced many to leave the profession altogether. Worcestershire highways and ringway bosses have revealed. Recently, John Fraser, head of Worcestershire Highways, received abuse as they closed a flooded Hilton Road to protect people. He received verbal abuse from a man who wanted to walk through the flooded road with his dog. Mr Fraser said, all we wanted to do was to stop him from walking through flood water. I think there is a sense of frustration sometimes when it takes people longer to complete their journey but that is really no excuse to take that frustration out on the poor person who is trying to keep them safe. It's unacceptable in any other forms of work and we think it is unacceptable on the highway as well. Two years ago, to tackle the situation in Worcestershire Highways and Ringway started a campaign encouraging teams to report near-miss incidents which they could then share with West Mercia Police. West Mercia also set up Operation SNAP 
so that people can submit dash cam footage to police. On Monday, body cam footage was used to issue five warning letters to drivers after they drove through a temporary red light. Richard Fryer, Ringway's managing director, said, Most of the incidents that we get involve gatemen, operatives advising drivers at the beginning of a road closure. This is where people will not wait at the designated spot, drive through the cones, push through the barriers, throw them in the hedge, and maybe drive up the footwear onto the grass. They then drive through sites which are putting our people's lives at risk, hitting them on occasion. This is where one of our major areas of concern is. Mr Fraser added, during winter road closures were more likely due to flooding and water mains bursting. He said their teams try to minimise disruption as much as they can and safety is their priority. Monday the 30th of January, record staff loss for NHS. A record number of staff left their posts at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust last year. NHS digital figures, which are rounded to the nearest five, show about 645 NHS staff resigned from their roles in 2021-22. This was up from about 540 in 2019-2020, and the highest number since records began a decade earlier. Across the country, 140,000 staff members resigned last year, up from 99,000 the year before. The figure covers medical and administration staff. A resignation does not necessarily mean the staff member has left the NHS altogether, as the figures also include any promotions and relocations. Pat Cullen, General Secretary and Chief Executive of the Royal College of Nursing, said... Years of underinvestment, including a decade of real terms pay cuts, means record numbers of staff are leaving the NHS. Staff are leaving, realising they can get similar or better pay in supermarkets and retail without the stress of the job, and poor pay is creating severe staff shortages and making patients unsafe. Among the departures across England last year were 30,740 nurses and health visitors who voluntarily left their posts, the highest number on record. Of them, 145 were based at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust, in line with 2019-20. A record 2,260 midwives voluntarily resigned across England in 2021-22, including around 25 at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust. And the Royal College of Midwifery said falling pay is a primary issue for many who leave the profession. And an RCM spokesperson said, Midwives have seen over a decade of pay stagnation and feel undervalued and burnt out. Tina Ricketts, Director of People and Culture at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust said, We know from what our leavers tell us, that there are a wide range of reasons that influence their decision to move on, with promotion and relocation making up a large proportion of these. While our turnover rate is broadly in line with other trusts, we know that working in the NHS can be demanding, and retaining and developing our staff and developing a culture where staff feel respected, valued, included and well at work lies at the heart of our people and culture strategy. All colleagues have access to occupational health services, along with a wealth of additional health and well-being information and support. 
we recognise there is always more to do and we have a comprehensive action plan in place which aims to build further on these improvements in the coming month. And this is the headline for Tuesday, January the 31st, Walkout Wednesday, which happened actually yesterday. Teachers at city schools are set to strike, with some already making plans to close or teach children remotely. Several schools across Worcester have announced their plans as teachers who are members of the National Education Union, the NEU, will take part in industrial action tomorrow. Teachers do not need to tell their employers they will strike and will not be able to cover work for their classes ahead of the action. Guidance from Department for Education suggests agency staff and volunteers could be used to cover classes on strike days, with schools expected to remain open where possible. So far, several Worcester schools have let parents know their intentions for the day, being dubbed Walkout Wednesday, as, along with teachers, train drivers, university staff, civil service staff and security guards will all strike. Tudor Grange Academy Worcester will be closing its doors to all but the upper years at the school. Principal David Butler has informed parents the Bilford Road School will remain open for years 11, 12 and 13 only. Rachel Hughes, principal of Tudor Grange Primary Academy Purdiswell on Bilford Road, said the school will be open for reception year 2 and year 6 students. Other year groups will remain at home. In a letter, the head teacher wrote, We will invite all pupils with an EHCP and those identified as vulnerable to attend school, and they will be supported to complete a range of activities. A work pack for years group 1, 3, 4 and 5 will be sent home on Tuesday. Blessed Edward Oldcorn Catholic College on Timberdine Avenue has announced it will be partially closed. Students in years 9, 10 and 11 will attend school as normal on Wednesday. Pupils from years 7 and 8 will not be in school. They will be expected to follow their normal timetable and check Google Classroom for the subjects they normally have on a Wednesday. Red Hill Primary School in Midhurst Close has told parents it will fully close for all pupils on Wednesday. Pinvin C of E First School and St Nicholas C of E Middle School will also be partially closed tomorrow. Ed Francis, head teacher at Fort Royal Community Primary School in Wilds Lane, expects the school to be open to pupils. At the moment, I'm confident we'll be able to open on Wednesday. Some of our staff will find out if their children's schools will be striking on the day, so it may take internal restructuring. But I don't think we will have to close, and I'm hopefully we will be able to manage it. This is the headline from Wednesday, February the 1st. There is nothing left to cut at school. Worcester schools have been labelled broken by head teachers battling to cope with spiralling demand for help from struggling families. Neil Morris, head teacher at the 1,500-strong pupil Christopher Whitehead Language College in Worcester, said he was facing huge problems with attendance dropping and staff, pupils and families continuing to struggle. On the eve of the first teacher's strike, Mr Morris said, 
the under-pressure school was forced into spending more than £250,000 on staff and services that he said were not needed a decade ago and running into debt over rocketing food bills. Waiting lists for essential mental health services are no longer months long and are running into years and school children are resorting to stealing food from supermarkets to ensure they do not go hungry during lessons. Schools are also having to buy shoes and winter coats for pupils as referrals to food banks soar. We spent 256000 on what I would say 10 years ago we wouldn't have to be spent on, he said. We have three counsellors, that's for staff and for students, and we have three attendance officers, and we have our own education welfare officer. We do it ourselves. We are spending a huge amount on food. We have children stealing food from Sainsbury's. The system is broken. Mr Morris said hard-pressed schools were constantly on the lookout for cash, needing tens of thousands of pounds every year just to stay afloat, as more and more cuts were made to slender budgets, already cut to the bone. Everything has been cut, he said. There's nothing left to cut, so unless we do it, there is nothing else we can do. We're constantly looking for money. We try to raise forty to £50,000 a year just to keep going. It's incredibly sad and incredibly tough. The situation is equally as bleak in the city's primary schools, with staff pushed to feed and buy shoes and winter coats for children. Kate Wilcock, head teacher at Pitt Maston Primary School, who was invited to speak to city councillors alongside Mr Morris to tell them what it was like on the ground, said the pressure on schools was overwhelming, with referrals from the school to the city's food banks tripling recently. She said teachers and school staff continue to struggle with many teaching assistants forced to give up and find work elsewhere because of rising costs. At the meeting in the Guildhall on Monday, January the 30th, Mrs Wilcock also described the struggles at Bishop Perone C of E College in Worcester on behalf of head teacher Jane Price who said the number of children being offered free school meals was higher than ever and increasing year on year. A campaign by the school in association with the Salvation Army to offer support with presents and food on Christmas Day last year received 74 calls from struggling parents in just two days. She also revealed how the school is having to spend thousands of pounds to make sure children had shoes and winter coats and was falling into debt by having to spend £7,000 in one term alone to feed pupils. City MP Robin Walker, who also chairs the Parliamentary Education Select Committee, said it was demonstrably not true that school funding had been cut to the bone. And he said the rise in the number of children eligible for free school meals was because the government had widened the criteria. He said the government had promised an extra £2 billion for school and he was always pushing the case for more and more and fairer funding for schools in Worcestershire. He did admit that the lack of education welfare officers was a concern and more support for mental health services was needed. And the headline for today, Thursday, February the 2nd. Warriors, deal is done. Administrators complete sale of rugby club to consortium. Elite level rugby may return to six ways next season after Worcester Warriors was taken over by a new consortium. The Warriors have been purchased by the consortium led by its former chief executive Jim O'Toole and James Sandford. Administrator Begby's trainer announced yesterday the sale had been completed following a complex process. 
Mr O'Toole and his business partner, James Sanford, a former professional player, have had their bid accepted with Atlas Worcester Warriors now taking over the running of the club. In an interview with BBC Hereford and Worcester, Mr Sanford said, although the club does not have an agreement in place with the RFU, other avenues are being explored to bring elite-level rugby back to the stadium. He said, it is very exciting news. We have successfully moved forward with the acquisition of the rugby club and all that comes with it. We have bought everything, everything across the club and the brand itself. Our focus is always on the rugby, but it has been well documented that the crucial aspect of this is creating a sustainable model moving forward. We remain in constructive dialogue with the RFU. We have other avenues, which I cannot discuss, that are not RFU-dependent to bring Elite Rugby back to Six Ways next season. Worcester Warriors entered administration earlier this season, resulting in their expulsion from the Gallagher Premiership. Mr Sanford also said that all the assets are now all within one group after the takeover. He said everything is now all within one group and is therefore the benefit of the rugby and will remain that way. It is all turned around very quickly. We're looking to invite everyone to Six Ways to discuss the plans across the board. The current fan base and the community have suffered and we want everyone to be comfortable and excited about what is to come. A statement from Administrator Julie Palmer read, Following a complex process, we are now able to progress the sale of Worcester Warriors and associated assets to Atlas Worcester Warriors Rugby Football Club Limited, otherwise known as Atlas. We can confirm that contracts have been exchanged with Atlas. This is an exclusive contractual position and Atlas are committed to completing this transaction as early as possible and will share with both the rugby community and local community their plans for the club's future. We are delighted to see that there is a clear plan in place to deliver both rugby and many other exciting community-focused initiatives to Six Ways, but fitting the fabulous facilities and which will entertain the extensive support base. Last August, Warriors' accounts were frozen after a winding-up petition was issued by HMRC. In September, the government placed WRFC Trading Limited, the company that owns the rugby club, in administration. The Rugby Football Union suspended the club from all rugby competition. And in October, WRFC Players Limited, the company that employed the players and staff, was wound up in court. Well, that completes the headline stories. Good luck to Warriors. And we'll now move on to some general news stories. I think, Jane, you'll start us off. Yes, this is a story about robbed medieval tiles to be restored. Some robbed medieval church tiles to rival those found in England's great plundered abbeys and priories will be restored to their former glory. The Church of St John the Baptist in Clanes near Worcester is in the process of being reordered, including work to install toilets, which which means that the exquisite tiles had to be removed on Monday. The tiles may have been removed from Worcester Priory during the dissolution of the monasteries, by which Henry VIII disbanded monasteries, priories, convents and friaries in England, Wales and Ireland. Reverend Joe Musson completed a wing walk to raise funds for the project and grant funds are being sought for the work 
at the Grade 2 listed church. Meanwhile, Vanessa Gunter is running 1,066 miles to help raise funds for the church and research into ME and CFS. The significance of the distance is to reflect that there has been a worshipping community at Clanes for 1,066 years. The Reverend Musson said, We've now come to the stage where we can begin to break through the archway in the entrance porch to the vestry, which is where the new toilets will go. The problem is that at some time in the past, a small collection of medieval tiles was installed in the north porch entrance. The panel is made up of 38 whole tiles and nine fragments, and they're exquisite. Today is an exciting day for us as it marks the first actual works taking place in the building, and I'm grateful to everyone who has enabled us to get to this stage. The next step is to excavate a large hole for the sewage plant, and for this we will have an archaeologist on hand in case anything of note is unearthed. The installation of the toilets will take place during the summer. I cannot tell you how embarrassed we are to have to tell visitors that we have no toilet in church. People just don't imagine it. Toilets are not the only improvement we have planned, though. This is just phase one of the church reordering project. Phase two will involve installing a kitchenette and servery, AV equipment and an interpretation about the history of the tiles, the church and the churchyard. Sir George Aston Webb restored the church at Clanes in 1886-1887 and added the north aisle, porch and vestry in the same style. Leslie Durbin from Jackson Conservation reported, In the 12th and 13th centuries, medieval tile makers were often itinerant, moving their place of work to the location where they were needed. Many kiln sites have been excavated in abbey and priory ruins. She has informed the parish that 15 of the tiles found in Clanes are recorded in the British Museum catalogue as being also found at Mio Abbey, Beverley, near Hull. This doesn't mean that the, tales, that the, the tiles came from Mio. It only means that the design of these tiles also travelled to Mio. Also found in the Clanes collection are designs the same as tiles found at Lillishall Abbey, Dunmo Priory, Coventry Abbey, Glastonbury Abbey and Canesbury, Canesham Abbey. Parish churches did not usually contain expensive tiles such as this at that time, but there were two very active local kilns during the medieval period, one at Great Morven and one at Droitwich, and it is likely that the Clanes tiles originate from there, having been robbed out of Worcester Priory during the dissolution of the monasteries. To support Vanessa Gunter's fundraising efforts, visit https slash slash forward slash that is www.justgiving.com slash campaign slash challenge with a capital C. 1066. Trader praises fire service after blaze. A business owner has praised the efforts of fire service workers for responding to a fire on Broad Street at the weekend. 
Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service responded to reports of smoke coming from a building on Broad Street. Three fire engines were called to deal with the fire and access from Lower Broad Street to Angel Place was closed off after a fire broke out just before noon. Tim Evans of Toys and Games of Worcester on Lower Broad Street said the fire service was brilliant but said it was another piece of bad luck for the street as it was already closed off. This follows ongoing scaffolding work which has blocked off access to shops and well-known shops closing including Knowles Sports. He said the fire service was brilliant but they, and they responded promptly and made sure the area was safe. It was a shame that the road had to be blocked off but the important thing is that the fire was tackled and nobody was injured. I'm just amazed at the run of bad luck that Lord Broad Street has had recently. Mr Evans said that trade was affected for business on Lower Broad Street, which is normally a busy day. He said the road was closed off from around midday until 5.30pm, but things are all back to normal today. Trade was definitely affected on what is normally a busy day in Worcester, and I think some other businesses had to close early, which is a shame. We have the scaffolding, which does not seem to be going anywhere, we have a 30-year-old block paving when other areas of the city are being revamped, shop closures and now the fire. A staff member from the New England Country Store told the Worcester News it remained open but had had no customers for around four hours. A spokesman for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said, We have three fire engines at the scene on Broad Street. We are responding to a report of smoke coming from a building near the, to Boston Tea Party that was first reported at approximately 11.50pm. A small fire was extinguished on the roof of the building and we are still at the scene now investigating. The fire service did confirm that there were no reported injuries. Walkers will take to the Malvern Hills at the end of April for the Mayor's Peaks Challenge. The event, which will raise funds for guide dogs, takes place on Saturday, April the 29th and sees participants taking on one of two walks. A 15-kilometre walk takes you the full length of the Malvern Hills over all 17 peaks, while a shorter 7km route takes in the main section of the hills, including its highest point, the Worcestershire Beacon. Registration for the longer walk will be in Priory Park from 8am, with coaches leaving from 8.30am to take walkers to the starting point on the Bromsboro estate. Those taking on the shorter walk can register from 10.15am until 11.30 before being taken to British Camp by bus. All entrants will receive an event T-shirt and will be presented with a finisher's medal by the Mayor, Councillor Nick Horton. Well-behaved dogs are welcome and will be presented with a rosette at the finish. It's a fantastic cause. The event has been sponsored by Hills Ford, with dog rosettes and treats being supplied by Austin & Co. Councillor Horton said this is a major fundraising event for the Mayor's charity and will help us reach our target of £10,000 to sponsor and name a guide dog puppy. A huge thank you to the team at Hills Ford, who are sponsoring the event, T-shirts and medals, which means the whole entry fee will be donated to guide dogs. William Hill from Hills Ford said... As a family business in the heart of Malvern, we are extremely proud to be involved with such a fantastic cause. The volunteers from the Guide Dog Charity work so hard to benefit the lives of so many people, so it is great to be able to contribute.
I should just add, we don't normally read stories that are kind of Malvern-based, but because this was about guide dogs for the blind, I thought we should make an exception. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the mayor they are talking about is Malvern's mayor, not Worcester's mayor, mm. just to uh, make that clear. And this is about something for your diary for the summer. The Midlands Air Festival is, said to is set to return this summer, bringing with it a variety of aircraft hot air balloons and more. The festival will take place at Ragley Hall Estate in Ulster for a three-day event starting on June the 2nd and ending on June the 4th, 2023. This summer, the event will see warbirds, vintage aircraft, helicopters, aerobatics, flying circus and military jets and the largest gathering of hot air balloons in the UK fill the skies above Ragley Hall Estate. If you're looking for a family day out, the turbulent display team is one for the kids at the festival with their flying circus act, will include flower bombing, balloon bursting and even flying under a limbo pole at just three feet off the ground. Across the three days of the festival, there'll be a variety of hot air balloons and airships in the sky, including a spectacular number of the giant character special shape balloons, such as the two Bertie Bassets, Astro the Alien, Dropsy the Dinosaur, two frogs and many more. The signature Nightfire show will kick off the festival on Friday evening, June the 2nd, with a late afternoon air display and then a mass balloon takeoff, followed by a dusk pyrotechnics air display with illuminated aircraft trailing Roman candles and firing rockets from their rings, followed by breathtaking balloon night glow, choreographed to music and a massive firework festival finale. The festival offers a campsite and glamping packages for those who want to stay on site during the event. There's also an early morning breakfast with balloons experience. Tickets and more information can be found via the Midlands Air Festival website at midlandshirefestival.com. A blue plaque calling out Worcester MP Robin Walker for voting to block a law requiring water companies to dump less raw sewage has emerged in Worcester. The picture taken on Worcester Bridge shows a blue plaque which was placed following a recent vote on the draft environmental targets regulations, which was passed with 300 eyes to 170 noes on January the 25th. Mr Walker denies the accusation. MPs signed off regulations required to enact the Environment Act targets on biodiversity, trees, water, marine protected areas, air quality and resource management, despite concerns that the measures were weak, late and unambitious. Extinction Rebellion's Worcester branch claimed responsibility for the plaques in social media posts, which showed a demonstration that was held yesterday in Worcester. The Instagram post shows several Extinction Rebellion Worcester members in masks, with somebody dressed as Robin Walker. A spokesperson for the group said, We unveiled a blue plaque beside our beloved River Seven to shine a light on our local MP, who on October the 20th, 2021, failed to vote in favour of Amendment 45 to the Environment Act 2021. 
This amendment would have required water companies to demonstrate improvements in the sewage systems and progressive reductions in the harm caused by untreated sewage discharges. Our message was clear. We told the government and water companies to clean up their act and stop the dumping of raw sewage in our rivers, watercourses and seas. We are doing this for our children, for the planet and to prevent further biodiversity loss. Water is not a commodity to be exploited. We are watching you. Wave one has begun. On the XR West Midlands Instagram account, another plaque near Diglis Bridge can also be seen, and a plaque in Pershaw. Another image of a plaque was also shared in Evesham, which addressed Nigel Huddleston MP, who voted for the same outcome. In Upton on Seven, Another demonstration was held with people in masks and somebody dressed as Harriet Baldwin MP for West Worcestershire. The Liberal Democrats' Twitter account published a list of MPs who they claim voted in favour of 15 more years of sewage dumping in rivers and coasts. Mr Walker called the Liberal Democrat list outrageous and accused the political party of gaslighting. Well, a couple of um, sort of community stories which I'll read back to back here for people who might be feeling a little lonely. First of all, a Worcester care home is offering three-course meals once a week to lonely members of the community. Latimer Court in Ronxwood is inviting elderly people who usually eat alone to join them every Wednesday during 2023. Diners will be given a three-course lunch, be able to chat to staff and residents and socialise afterwards. Donna Tustin General Manager at Latimer Court, tells us loneliness, loneliness can be a big problem for elderly people, especially as the weather gets colder. Our doors are always open to new friends of our home. You'll be guaranteed a warm welcome and a delicious meal. And up by Warnden, the community cafe at Lippard Hub in Anchorage Green has also been set up to end loneliness. The Community Café aims to help end loneliness by reaching out to those who are socially isolated, providing a space for people to come and meet others and make new friends while enjoying refreshments together. The café is open every Thursday morning during term time, 10am till noon, serving a selection of hot and cold drinks, toasted tea cakes, crumpets and cakes. A spokesperson for Lippard Hub said, everyone is welcome, so come along and we'd love to see you. This is about a man who um, went on a rampage throwing bricks at cars following the breakdown of his marriage, city magistrates heard. Only it was the wrong house. Dean Scarrett of Offerton Lane, Warnden, Worcester, banged on the door of a house shouting his wife's name despite her not living there before throwing the bricks. The 38-year-old admitted three charges of criminal damage when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court. Owen Beale, prosecuting, said at 12.30am on December the 28th, Johanna Thompson was woken up to the sound of Scarrett banging on her door trying to gain entry. He was shouting for someone not there called Burley, Mr Beale said. The victim shouted for him to go away. Mr Beale said security footage of the Worcester home showed he was clearly intoxicated and in a dishevelled state. The prosecutor said Scarrett then began throwing bricks at cars outside before smashing a stone statue tortoise. The dad of four dented two cars, a Seat and a Skoda, outside the home in the rampage, the court heard. 
This went on for a considerable period of time before police arrived, Mr Beale said. He was repeatedly throwing bricks at cars. All he could say in police interview was that he couldn't remember anything after a road traffic collision. Mr Beale said it was unclear what collision, or which collision, Scarrett was talking about. Silkarlain Said, defending Scarrett, said it had been an odd set of circumstances brought on by Scarrett's separation from his wife two months earlier. Mr Said explained Scarrett had driven home from Ledbury in Seven Stoke before breaking down and going to the houses. He was scared and frightened. It was night. Burley is the name of his wife. He thinks he is at her home and not letting her in. Mr Said added after the crime, Scarrett had been to the doctor who had diagnosed him as having severe depression. Chairman of the Magistrates Bench, Ian Latimer, said, You were there for some time. It wasn't just one brick thrown. You continued to do damage to those cars. Scarrett was fined £40 and ordered to pay total compensation of £500 as well as a victim surcharge of £16. Scarrett offered to pay the 556 total at a rate of £30 a month, which was accepted by the magistrates. City marked tragic loss of Holocaust. A Worcestershire housing group marked Holocaust Memorial Day by supporting a civic event to raise awareness of the tragedy. Platform Housing Group attended the Guildhall for the event on January 27th. The Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, said the theme of this year's Holocaust Memorial Day was ordinary people. The persecution of ordinary people was allowed through other ordinary people, choosing to ignore what was going on around them and thus allowing so many to suffer and die in the Holocaust. We must all stand together, speak out against injustice and hatred and vow that this will never be allowed to happen again. The ceremony welcomed keynote speaker Dr Mindu Hornig, MBE, who was born in Czechoslovakia, and as a young girl miraculously survived both the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp and a slave labour facility during the Second World War. She has spent the last two decades educating audiences, especially young people, about the dangers of intolerance and growing levels of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism in the world. Tom Piotrowski, a diversity and inclusion manager at Platform Housing Group, said Platform is the largest social provider in the region and has been involved in supporting Holocaust Memorial Day for many years because we understand the relevance of it in building tolerant and strong communities. According to census data, a fifth of people in Worcester are living with a disability. The Equality Act defines disability as a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on the ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities. Figures from the latest census of England and Wales show 18,195 people in Worcester had such an impairment as of March 2021, 18% of the area's population. Of these people... 11,243, that's 11%, said their disability stopped them from carrying out regular activities a little, while 6,952, that's 7%, said it did so a lot. The overall proportion of disabled people is down from 2011, when 18.7% said they had a disability. 
Across England and Wales, the proportion of people with a disability has fallen from 19.5 in 2011 to 17.8 at the last census, despite the number of disabled people increasing from 10 to 10.4 million. But the Office for National Statistics, ONS, warned that the wording of the question was different in each census, with 2021 being the first to use the 2010 Equality Act definition of disability and to explicitly mention mental impairments. However, John Roth-Smith, who is the Census 2021 director, said the unique circumstances of the pandemic may have influenced the results. The percentages used by the ONS have been standardised to account for differences in age between areas. The latest census data also shows a quarter of households in England and Wales have at least one disabled member. In Worcester, there were 11,495 such households, including 2,740 with two or more disabled people. Commenting on the figures, disability equality charity Scope said it was high time that society was more inclusive of those with disabilities. The percentages used by the ONS have been standardised to account for differences in age between areas. And this is about an estate which has become a rubbish dump. Old sofas, fridges, rubbish and even bags of rotting offal have been found dumped on the streets of a Worcester estate. It's been suggested people are fly-tipping their waste in Tolodyne as the area struggles to cope with overcrowding as more and more homes are being converted to houses of multiple occupation. Now a meeting has been set up by the local councillors to prompt private landlords to take more responsibility for waste removal and the general upkeep of the area. One overgrown garden on the corner of Dway and Avon Road, Tolodyne, has become a dumping ground for old mattresses, fridges, freezers, broken furniture, cardboard boxes and other rubbish. The owner, Councillor Nida Hassan, who has had the property for the last eight years, said she had so far paid £1,000 to clear the garden three times, but people kept dumping rubbish and she's now looking at fencing it off and installing CCTV. It's really started happening in the past year and a half. It's not a great situation and it's something that never used to happen. It makes it difficult for everyone around the area. It's sad that we have to fence it off where it's a nice green area, she said. The reporter knocked on the door of 70A Avon Road, but there was no answer, although a tenant is said to live there. Meanwhile, a sofa and chair have been dumped by a post box in Avon Road and an open bag of rancid old bones and offal was in Team Road and Avon Road. Edward Kimberley, who stood for Labour in the ward in May 2022, said, Avon and Team Roads were council estates built with small, family-sized houses designed to accommodate a specific number of people. Now, these are being turned into houses of multiple occupation. Far more people are being crammed in and public services like waste collection and on-street parking have failed to keep pace. Many tenants in this area are effectively locked out of whatever help the council could provide them because they don't speak fluent English, leaving them dependent on their landlords for everything. We need to do a much better job of reaching out to them and letting them know help is available. The 27-year-old said he was concerned the rubbish could attract vermin, calling this part of the Tolodyne generally dilapidated. 
Mohammed Altaf, a Conservative City Ward councillor for the area, said, Sometimes tenants moved out and left rubbish, including furniture behind, but that a meeting was planned with various landlords. In two weeks, you will start to see improvements in this area, he said. Councillor Altaf, who owns several properties in Avon Road and Team Road, said he would ensure skips were brought back to the area in June, as he had done last year with money from his council budget. If I need to spend any money, I will spend money out of my own pocket. It was me that brought back the Saturday skips because they'd been taken away. The spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, We would like to thank the resident who alerted us to the sofa and other rubbish dumped in Avon Road. We are making arrangements for this to be removed and it should be gone by the close of business today, which was Tuesday. We will encourage residents to report any fly-tipping they spot in the city to us at www.worcester.gov.uk forward slash report dash it dot. We will also investigate the site at Stephen Road. This is an appropriate article for our audience. Guide dogs shortage. Blind and visually impaired people are being hit by a shortage of guide dogs caused by the pandemic. When Covid hit three years ago, guide dogs had to stop its breeding programme as well as cancelling many of its fundraising activities. The knock-on effect is now being felt with many people having to wait up to 18 months for a new guide dog. Debbie Pitts, group volunteer organiser for guide dogs Ledbury and Malvern, said one lady in our patch has been independent for 20 years but is now facing a wait of two years for a new dog. We're involving her in events and keeping her a part of the guide dog's family. Malvern Mayor Nick Horton named guide dogs as his chosen charity for the year and Malvern Town Council has helped raise £1,000 for the charity by producing a guide dog's calendar. It is lovely because of all the local dogs featured. It's got a lot of people interested from that point of view, said Debbie. But we really are in need of volunteers. It's a really social charity and we get a lot of people volunteering because of the social side of things. There are dozens of volunteer roles available with the charity, including puppy raisers, training dog fosterers, dog exercisers and my sighted guides who help people with sight loss to get out and about. Guide Dogs says 95% of guide dog puppies are born in volunteers' homes and spend their first six weeks in that home environment. They then undertake 12 to 18 months of training in order to become a guide dog. You can find more information on volunteering at guidedogs.org.uk and you can contact the Ledbury and Malvern team by emailing gdledbury, or one word, hyphen malvern, at gmail.com. The charity should get another financial boost in April when the Mayor's Peaks Challenge 2023 takes place. The event will see entrants tackle either a 15-kilometre or a 17-kilometre walk across the Malvern Hills. The council is hoping to raise £10,000, which would allow it to sponsor and name a guide dog puppy. That's wonderful news. An award-winning Elvis tribute is among the acts added to the 2023 lineup of one of Worcestershire's biggest festivals. Sunshine Festival, which takes place in Upton-upon-Severn on the August Bank holiday weekend, has already announced a number of household names. 
Ronan Keating, Mark Armand, The Proclaimers, Cutting Crew, China Crisis, Doctor and the Medics and Bad Manners will all be playing at Upton's Fish Meadow between August the 24th and the 27th this summer. Among the tribute acts set to play at Sunshine Festival is Emilio Santoro, an award-winning Elvis Presley tribute. I hope I've said his name right, but there we go. Emilio, a 19-year-old from Western Supermare, is the winner of the 2022 European Elvis Championship. He also won the People's Choice Award at the 2022 Niagara Falls Elvis Festival and is the current Images of the King professional world champion and has triumphed at Blackpool's Return to Memphis competition. Who knew there were so many? Family entertainment announced for this year's festival includes the Extreme Mountain Bike Show. World-class mountain bike and BMX riders will be strutting their stuff on the Saturday and Sunday of the festival. And one of the most popular acts from this year's festival will also be making a return, Barry Oakey. Sean Williamson, better known as Barry Evans off EastEnders, will lead the crowds in some sing-alongs. They will be joined by more than 100 acts over the course of the weekend with circus performers, motorcycle display teams and inflatable obstacle courses on offer for those looking for a break from the music. So if you want to get organised, that's the 24th to the 27th of August, the Sunshine Festival. And this is an honour for a century. A 100th birthday celebration was held for a Second World War hero who fought in one of the most gruelling battles of the conflict. Lieutenant Edmund Simsack of Kidderminster was surprised with a guard of honour in the city centre before a celebration event was held on the top floor of the Guildhall. He arrived at 1.15pm to crowds of onlookers paying their respects and was greeted by Tom Wisniewski, founder of the Worcester Polish Association, before a trumpet sounded, played by Hernia Mariaki, the St Mary's Trumpet Call. This is a traditional five-note Polish bugle call, closely bound to the history and traditions of Krakow. From here, Lieutenant Simzak was escorted inside and taken upstairs, where crowds met him at the top floor of the Guildhall for speeches. Organisers of the event arranged for a decorative birthday cake to be made, featuring a floral arrangement and pictures of Lieutenant Simsack. Lieutenant Simsack fought at the 1944 Battle of Monte Cassino in Italy under General Ladislaw Anders' Polish II Corps. It was one of the major turning points in the war and resulted in huge casualties for German troops and destroyed their front line on the Eastern Front and meant the Allies could advance on Rome. He was one of 17 soldiers who formed the Polish Ex-Servicemen's Society in Kidderminster in 1946. A similar event was held last year when the lieutenant turned 99 when he was presented with letters from political and military figures including the Secretary of State for the President of the Republic of Poland, Adam Kiewatowski. Tom Wisniewski said, Edmund is a great, honest gentleman with a great heart who's been instrumental in campaigning to keep alive Polish heritage and values in the UK post-war and is an integral part of our community. Fears over stolen guns. Guns have been stolen during a burglary in a village west of Worcester, causing 
concern weapons may fall into the wrong hands. A home was raided in Old Road Clifton on Team in the early hours of Tuesday morning, January 31st. Two rifles and a motocross bike were stolen after burglars broke in through the window in a home which was not occupied at the time. A further raid at Lower Broadheath also took place on January the 31st. The guns stolen had been identified as a .22 BSA air rifle and a .177 airmaster, which is an additional concern to West Mercia police because they could be used in other crimes. Police have made 23 burglary arrests since the start of this year in South Worcestershire alone, with burglary identified as one of the top priorities for the force. To help continue to make arrests, a senior detective has repeated calls to the public to dial 999 immediately in the event of a burglary in progress so resources can be deployed as swiftly as possible to the scene. This increases the chance of apprehending suspects. Homeowners are also urged to secure CCTV where possible to provide further evidence and help identify the culprits and make convictions more likely. Detective Inspector Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID, based at Worcester Police Station in Castle Street, said we don't want the guns falling into the wrong hands and we will do all we can to recover those. We have identified a spate in the Broadheath and Clifton area. We suspect a group of young men are responsible and both burglaries are believed to be linked at this stage of the investigation. We are asking anyone in the rural community if they experience any suspicious individuals skulking about their property to contact us but also to secure CCTV footage to identify who those individuals are. South Worcestershire Proactive CID is working hard with the Community Safety Partnership and various police departments such as forensics and local policing to ensure that we do all we can to identify who the perpetrators are and to stop them. Air rifles could be used in more serious crimes to threaten people. The appeal for the public's help comes as West Mercia Police made a series of arrests for burglary since Christmas and the New Year. Unwanted and unloved, with the life being taken out of it, is how a claims councillor has described the current state of a once popular pub. Councillor Mel Orcott is appealing for someone to take over the Raven on Droitwich Road, as she fears it is falling into further disrepair. The pub and restaurant closed in 2019, and the building has remained empty since. Councillor Orcott said, Every day I go past, I see overgrown trees and bushes growing up. I fear it could turn into the harvester with vandalism. It looks more than run down. It looks unwanted, unloved, like the life has been taken out of it. It needs someone soon before it gets too run down. Since it's been closed, Councillor Alcott said the area had developed significantly with football, hockey, new schools and additional housing estates being built. She added, with the old harvester also on Droitwich Road closed, there is more of a need now for a community eatery. An application was initially put forward by the Stonegate Pub Company, which hoped to convert the former Carvery's play barn into seven new rooms. A covered pergola and a new patio and decking with outdoor seating and lighting were also proposed under those plans, but they were soon withdrawn. When asked what in particular she would like to replace the building with, Councillor Alcott said anything like a community or independent pub would be great, or even a chain. 
And this is a sadness at an Indian restaurant which will close to diners next month as it becomes a takeaway and delivery only, causing sadness from staff and customers. Staff at Ashley's in the tithing said the news brought them immense sadness and a heavy heart. It now hopes to build on the popular takeaway and delivery side of the business as eating habits have changed. Diners will no longer be able to sit down for a meal from Monday, the, February the 27th. The change has been blamed partially on the impact of COVID-19, rising costs for the business and the ability to recruit and retain, retain staff with the level of skill required and more people preferring to eat at home. A comments book has also been left so that customers can share their memories of the restaurant which has served customers for around 30 years in total. However, it will continue to function as a base for the takeaway and delivery service. Monwa Kandakos, manager between 2007 and 2022, said it's with immense sadness and a heavy heart I write this message. Words cannot express how hard it was to come to this decision, and a number of reasons have made this the only viable option for us, so that we can continue to provide the excellent service and high-quality food you've come to expect, which is the standard we've always held ourselves to. Predominantly, since COVID-19, we have found that a number of factors changed, which had not been temporary, and this and subsequent matters have directly impacted the food industry and, of course, the world at large. It has become increasingly difficult to find and retain quality staff with smaller numbers every year choosing a food service industry as a career path. And in this time, com customer habits have changed and stay at home is ever more popular with fewer people going out. As you're aware, in the most difficult of circumstances, we fought to keep our prices down despite exponentially rising costs across the board. We've managed this by investing heavily in price protection during COVID and then during the ensuant cost of living crisis and the Ukraine-Russian war, which endures. It's within this highly challenging environment and after so much thought that we see the best way we can continue is by focusing on our takeaway service. We would like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you for your loyal support, your friendship and the countless happy memories over the last 16 years. We will treasure these always. We've always endeavoured to lead the way in what we do, and we look forward to your continued support. An inspirational Malvern woman has celebrated her 103rd birthday. Joyce Hines marked the milestone with tea and cake alongside fellow residents at the Stora Court care home in Geraldine Road. Mrs Hines was born in Box Hill, Surrey, in 1920, and moved to Malvern in 1935, when her father got a job as head gardener at Davenham, a mansion in Graham Road that is now a care home. During the Second World War, she worked in Link Top, weighing sugar and cheese, and it was there she met husband Bill. He had been evacuated from Dunkirk and sent to Malvern in order to recuperate. Sadly, Bill was killed aged just 22, leading a platoon of men through a field of landmines in Italy. Mrs Hines and her then 13-month-old daughter Diana moved in with Mrs Hines' parents and her brother Frank Cooper. Mrs Hines continued to live in the fam with the family until Frank's death six years ago when she moved to Stora Court.
I didn't see the point of getting a place for just the two of us, said Mrs. Hines. We got on well with our family and lived with them quite happily. Mrs. Hines spent most of her working life at Marie's and then in the lingerie department at Bray's in Malvern and is still known to other residents at Stora Court as Joyce the Bra. Among her duties at Bray's, she mended corsets and fitted women with bras after they had a mastectomy. In our spare time, we enjoyed going to the pictures, she said. We'd go twice a week, walking along Graham Road, and we'd go to dances. And in those days, the music was fine. Not like now. It was super-duper. Ask the secret of a long life, Mrs. Hines credits homeopathic medicine for keeping me going, and says daughter Diana is a great help. But her main bit of advice? Don't worry. You die if you worry, and you die if you don't. So just let things wash over me. Staff at the care home say Mrs. Hines is a lovely lady who's always smiling and and asks staff how they're doing every morning. She is an inspiration to us all, they said. That's a nice story. Work will get underway this spring to install new information signs at the entrances to Worcester's beautiful Riverside Park. Fifteen new totem-style signs will be put in place to welcome visitors to the park and will include maps, information on walking and cycling routes, stories from the rich history of the area and family-friendly facts on the wildlife that lives on, in and near the river. 31 illustrated granite floor tiles are also due to go in on pathways and routes into the park to increase public awareness of the riverside as a visitor destination. Some of these tiles will feature arrows to suggest recommended routes or spots of special interest. Councillor Andy Stafford, chair of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee, said, Riverside Park takes in all the area around the River Severn as it flows through the heart of Worcester. These latest improvements will make it an even more attractive destination, helping visitors to explore the beautiful landscape, its history and its wildlife. We're hoping that even the many hundreds of people who use the riverside paths every day will find these additions to the park to be useful and interesting. Now, my my children have lost their lives is the, um, the, the, the title of this, but it's parents from Ukraine who've spoken out about feeling isolated and finding it difficult moving to Worcester with their young children. Many of their children have faced language barriers, making new friends and cultural differences within the educational system. One mother and lawyer, Oleni Klushmiki, told of the difficulties of moving to a completely new area with her two young children. She said, my children lost their life. They lost their friends and teachers and moving over here was difficult. I wish all Ukraine people to be happy. We're reading abuse every day and it's very hard being absent from Ukraine, but we must change our lives and have a life and speak not only with Ukrainian people, but with British people too. After talking with head teachers across the Rivers CE Multi-Academy Trust, one recurring theme was that many of the Ukrainian families were isolated. In a bid to battle this, Cherry Orchard Primary School, which belongs to the Trust, will host events which bring families across their schools to meet, connect and share their experiences. Kate Brunt, CEO of Rivers Trust, said, 
What we were feeling across the trust was that there were isolated Ukrainians in our school. I do think if you put me into a school in Ukraine, even as an adult, I would find it quite hard, and it must be frightening, sitting there, five hours a day, thinking, what are you talking about? She added that one mother was particularly worried about her four-year-old son, who had struggled to learn English and adjust to reception. But as soon as he came in here, his eyes lit up because he's also able to speak to Ukrainians, and I think that's really important. The school also offers pupils the chance to move between its schools, which makes it easier for families who are struggling to set up roots in the area they're in. Chori Iruna, a parent whose child goes to Cherry Orchard Primary, said when we arrived here, he knows we must write in English, speak in English, and we must be here because it is a safe place. It's very hard when you think about your child and providing shelter and education. His classmate in Ukraine spends three or four hours a day underground, and it's not normal for children. It's a terrible situation. But people here have been very nice to him, and he has gained friendships. Karen Bamford, the head teacher of Cherry Orchard Primary School, said it's a very social opportunity for children to play and talk in their home language and for parents who may not have met each other before to give each other strength and build a community. Please forgive me for any mispronunciation in this following article. More than 600 people attended this year's Chinese New Year celebrations in Worcester making it the largest event of its kind in 25 years, according to organisers. Visitors from all ages came from across the region to get a flavour of Chinese culture on January the 29th. They enjoyed a host of hands-on activities ranging from calligraphy, bubble painting, poetry, a traditional gong fu tea ceremony, to keepy uppy, a Chinese shuttlecock game, and a visit from Pom Pom, the giant panda. A traditional lion dance performed by Cui de Tang, a Kung Fu school, was led by James Rodriguez. Catherine Hyde from the University of Worcester and her Chinese student helpers were on hand to help alongside the Cui de Tang group, who brought the event alive with drama and drumming. A Shi Ba Shi Tai Ji demonstration took place in the Henry Sandon Hall, while arts and crafts activities were on offer in the Museum of Royal Worcester. Sophie Heath, director of the Museum of Royal Worcester, said, It was wonderful to have so many people discover the links between Worcester and China. I was so happy to see so many visitors here today. Students learning Mandarin at Christopher Whitehead Language College in Worcester were involved in delivering some of the activities and enjoyed running a chopsticks challenge game and teaching visitors how to make origami rabbits. Engage with China an educational charity that builds China literacy in the UK, was one of the event's organising partners, delivering two traditional tea ceremonies for more than 60 people. The event was primarily about bringing community together around our shared history. It was such a delight to have so many partners work together to convene such a successful event, said H.J. Colston Ng, Director of Engage with China and the wife of, Bishop, of the Bishop of Worcester. Students from the university also volunteered their time and skills to ensure that all worked smoothly, she added. Worcester is twinned with the city of Hezhou in Guangxi province in China. 
Thanks to Frank Sang, chairman of the Worcester Chinese Association. New Year greetings from the two million inhabitants of Hezu were sent by letter to the mayor of Hezu City and read out by Worcester City, Worcester City Mayor Adrian Gregson. Frankie Sang said, This event is about sharing Chinese culture with our community and celebrating our diversity. I am so pleased that so many hundreds of people were able to enjoy it today. 2023 is the year of the rabbit, which is the fourth animal in the Chinese 12 year zodiac cycle. People born in the year of the rabbit are claimed to be entrepreneurs, kind and peaceful. Other special guests who attended the event included Andrew Manning Cox, High Sheriff of Worcestershire, and Lord Faulkner of Worcester. I thought the uh, pronunciation was top there. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've got time for one more story, and I'm just going to go off piste a little bit because I think this is great fun. It appeared in the weekend section, so it's not news, but it's um, obviously about Worcester. Time was, if you insulted a gentleman's honour, worse still, that of his lady companion, you could expect to be challenged to a duel. Pistols or swords, the aim was the same, to spill your blood. Rogers Hill and Perry Wood were the two favourite duelling places in Worcester. And old maps show the quiet lane between the districts of Barbourne and Aswood, now St George's Lane North to Merriman's Hill and Green Lane, was known as Cutthroat Lane. It was here disputes were settled, honours satisfied, and occasionally bodies carried away. The last duel to be fought in Worcester took place just outside the city limits on Kemsey Hams, the flat floodplain bordering the River Severn, on the Saturday afternoon of March the 3rd, 1827. The protagonists were Thomas Parker, who lived at Perry Manor, Perry Wood, to the east of the city, and John Somerset Russell of Poick Court. Parker, better known as Old Tom the Huntsman, was something of a local character and master of the Worcestershire hunt. Russell was nobility and went on to become Lord Hampton, moving to Westwood House, the centre of the Westwood Park estate just west of Droitwich. The duel was over an argument between the pair concerning the death of foxes in Westwood Park. It seems Parker accused Russell of killing foxes without letting the hunt's hounds do the job which Russell took as an insult, for it was he who issued the challenge. And so the parties agreed to settle their differences in the gentlemanly way, meeting on the hams at the end of the hunting season, with Captain Barnaby of Hereford Militia acting as second to Russell, while Lieutenant Palmer of the same corps attended Parker. After all the brouhaha, the event itself was a decidedly damp squib. Parker and Russell lined up opposite each other, both drew their duelling pistols, took aim, fired and missed. Whereupon the seconds intervened. Parker and Russell lowered their shooters, shook hands and walked away. Whether honour had been satisfied was a moot point, but at least both were still in one piece. Right, well, it does go on, but the rest of the article is about duelling in general. So I think we'll wrap up there and move swiftly on to the week's sport, of which I'm afraid, again, there's precious little. But, Jane, I think you're going to start with football. Yes. And moving on from there. That's true. Corns over the moon at double win. It's been a positive week for Worcester City, as back-to-back victories have seen them begin to move away from trouble 
at the bottom of the Midland Football League Premier. Consecutive wins and clean sheets have seen City beat most Market Drayton Town and Bewdley Town away from home in the space of four days to push Chris Corn's side six points clear of second-bottom Wolverhampton casuals. Cassies still have two games in hand, but manager Corns is much happier man than he was two weeks ago. I know casuals have got games in hand, but if you want points on the board, not games in hand, because you still have to go and win those games, he said. We're over the moon with how the week has gone, but we won't get carried away with it. Naturally, if you still look over your shoulder a little bit, but two results on the bounce is really good. The teams around us lost as well, which helps. We're just trying to get a little bit more belief and confidence because we are still better than what we're showing. But it will come. When I walked into the changing rooms after the Budley win, the lads were all buzzing. They were happy. It's nice to put two wins together. City are next in action on Saturday away at Tividale, who are just a place above them in the MFL Premier table. Corn's men then return to Clane's Lane for a first home game of 2023 when they host casuals. It's a two-game period that could really put an end to relegation fears and then City can start at what's above them rather than worrying about what's behind them. And we move on to women's, women's rugby. Worcester Warriors women will compete in next year's Allianz Premier 15s competition after a successful application. The club were originally left out of the eight-team league that was revealed in December. But after a successful appeal and securing their long-term future with a 10-year contract with Cube International, they have been included as one of two sides to complete the league format. Director of Rugby Joe Yap tweeted, What a journey! Thank you to all those that have supported us along the way. Proud to work with such an amazing group. Hashtag together. She added, This has been the most challenging season for staff and players. The thought of Worcester not being in the Premiership after so many years was just heartbreaking for the whole community. So it is great that we can now look forward with excitement and security. Sail Sharks women are the other team to have been brought back after being left out originally. Josh Payne, Managing Director of Warriors Women, said, We're absolutely delighted to be invited to continue in the Allianz Premier 15s next season. This is the next major step in us delivering our new vision for Warriors Women and will allow us to continue to strengthen our commitment to the community as we move forwards and begin to share our plans. And on to cricket... Lion's cap for Haynes. Jack Haynes received his cap from an England legend as he made his Lions Test debut. The Worcester Shabatta was awarded his first Test cap from Ian Bell yesterday ahead of the Lions opening four-day clash with Sri Lanka A at the Gaal International Stadium. During his illustrious career, Bell scored 7,727 runs in 118 Test matches for England at an average of 42.69. He is serving as one of the Lions' batting coaches for the current trip, alongside Jim Troughton. Haynes made the cut for the Lions' 11 after scoring 64 not out and 51 during the three-day warm-up game against the Sri Lankan Board 11 in Colombo last week. 
He said, Ian Bell was a great player over many years for England and to receive my Lions test cap from him was a great moment for me. I was proud to represent England at under-19 level in a World Cup and this also means a lot. It was an impressive opening day for the Lions as Haynes watched his teammates dominate with the ball, bowling out Sri Lanka A for 136 in just 35.4 overs after Sri Lanka had chosen to bat. Much of the damage was inflicted by Matthew Fisher, 5.34, and Liam Patterson-White, 3.51. Proven stars Alex Lees and Hasib Hamid opened the batting for the Lions with scores of 58, sorry, 56 and 81, respectively. Come close of play, the Lions had reached 249 for three, with Tom Haynes, 62, and Josh Bohannon, 26, currently at the crease. Haynes is listed at number six in the batting order and is scheduled to bat at the fall of the next wicket. His Worcestershire teammate Josh Tung picked up four wickets in the warm-up match against the board 11, but was not named in the side for the opening test. Right, that concludes the sport for the week and we will move on to, I think, the sunrise and sunset times, which I have here. And today, this is... February the 2nd, the sun came up at 7.49am and it will set tonight at 4.58pm. It's just beginning, isn't it, to feel a little bit more like spring, which is wonderful. Birthdays. Well, I'm really disappointed because I've opened the birthday file and it's nobody's birthday, or at least nobody who's told us it's their birthday, Uh, either this coming week or what it looks like next week. So if you do have a birthday any time between the 2nd of February and the 16th, please let us know and then next year we'll be able to wish you a happy birthday. So I think that takes us on to Thought for the Week, which, Jim, you've got that for us. And this is from John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. As I said earlier, the obituaries will be read after the closing music. So if you want to hear those, hang on until then. I'd like to thank our readers today, Jane. Goodbye. And Jim. Goodbye. And John is giving a cheery wave from behind the glass, our ever-faithful engineer. (laughs) Thank you, John. Just remains for me to say, have a good week, everybody, and see you in four weeks' time. Bye-bye. Michael Hopkins, known as Mike, aged 58 years, passed away suddenly at home in Durham on the 17th of September. Memorial service to celebrate Mike's life is to be held at St Philip and St James Church, Main Road, Hallow, Worcester, WR2 6PW on Saturday the 11th of February at 11am. Maureen Humphreys sadly passed away at home on Tuesday 3rd of January aged 85 years. Funeral service will take place Wednesday 8th February at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, can be sent directly to Cancer Research UK or left in the box provided. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, St John's, telephone 01905 947 
272. Terry Malcolm Jenkins passed away peacefully, surrounded by his family at Redhill Care Home on January the 5th, aged 83. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, 8th February at 11.30am. Please wear a splash of colour. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for Dementia UK. All inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care Worcester. Telephone 01905 22137. Mary Blight Ainsworth, sorry, Mary Blight Nay Ainsworth, passed away in hospital on the 24th of December, aged 94 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Thursday 9th February at 12.15pm, followed by private interment at Aswood Cemetery. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Bransby horses may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium chapel or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. John Thomas Mainyard. It is with great sadness that the family of Mr John Thomas Mainyard announces his passing after a brief illness on January the 27th, age 79. As per his wishes, there is only a cremation with no service or wake. Jean Mary Rudd passed away peacefully on January the 26th at home, aged 82. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium Fladbury on Friday, February the 17th at 3pm. Donations in Jean's memory are invited for Dachshund Rescue UK. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10-1HZ. Joyce John Morris Sadly passed away on 17th of January 2023, age 91. A service to celebrate his life took place on Monday, 30th of January, at Wire Forest Crematorium. Donations for the Boynes Care Home in memory of John may be sent directly to the care home. Percival June Christine peacefully passed away at St Richard's Hospice on Monday, the 9th of January 2023, aged 87 years. The funeral service took place on Wednesday, the 1st of February 2023, at Worcester Crematorium. Donations, if desired, can be sent directly to St Richard's Hospice or left in the donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band, Funeral Directors, St John's, telephone 01905 947 272. Excuse me. <coughs> Sydney Albert Cartwright, Sid, born 0706-1935, died 31-12-2022. Passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, Funeral service will take place at Kempsey Church on Monday the 6th of February at 11.30am. Flowers or charitable donations to the Alzheimer's Society or Air Ambulance may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT. Telephone 01905 
748811. Taylor, Lila Mary, nay Perry. Lila Taylor of Lower Broadheath passed away peacefully at Stanfield Nursing Home on the 14th of January, 2023, aged 89 years. The funeral service will be held at St. Thomas's Church, Crown East, on Friday the 3rd of February, that's tomorrow, at 2pm, followed by interment. Inquiries to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, Morven, telephone 01684 892777. Willis Jean. With heavy heart, we announce the passing of Jean Willis on Tuesday the 10th of January 2023, aged 88 years. Service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 14th February at 11.30. Family flowers only, but donations if desired for Dogs for the Blind may be left in the donation box. Teague, Janet Marjorie, nay Ward, passed away recently at home in Poick at the age of 84. Funeral service will be held at St Peter's Church Poick on the 7th of February at 12.30pm. Donations if desired to Acorns can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester. Jacqueline Patricia Cox, nay Carlton, known as Jack, passed away peacefully at home on January the 6th, aged 81 years. The funeral is to be held at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday 7th of February 2023 at 12.15. Family flowers only. Donations if desired for the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust on the day or may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU. Jason Paul Hughes of Worcester passed away suddenly in hospital on 27th of December, aged 48 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 6th of February at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Kidney Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Sons, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Gordon Howell Hughes, formerly of the MEB, passed away peacefully on 14th of January, aged 85 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 8th of February at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Service 01905 748811. Raymond Ernest Lewis peacefully passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on Tuesday 10th of January aged 94 years. The funeral service shall take place on Wednesday the 15th of February 2023 at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30am. No flowers, please. Donations should be sent to www.helpforheroes.org.uk or left in the donation box provided. Captain Ray, who received a commission at Sandhurst, was very proud of his military service. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Director St. John's on 01905 947 272.